Now, if you would um, turn back to that passage that I read earlier in Deuteronomy chapter 32, the verse that I wish us to consider is that one that we actually um, sang that song based upon, uh, just uh, which is verse 4, which says, well, I'll read verse 3 as well. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God. The rock, his work is perfect. For all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity. Just and upright is he. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you now and uh, we pray that you will please um, enable your word to be declared clearly and accurately and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray that you will cause us all to receive your word and benefit from it. We pray that if we have any attitudes towards you that are wrong, we pray that you'll help us to repent and to uh, submit to you and to believe you. So we thank you, Father, through Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, um, this verse, particularly verse verse 4, uh, that I've just read just now, uh, tells us that God is a God who does no wrong. It says that the rock, his work, is perfect. Everything that God does is perfect. He makes no mistakes. All, for all his ways are justice. God is perfectly just in everything that he does. He is a God of faithfulness. Faithfulness is where you keep your word. He is a God of faithfulness and without iniquity. Another, iniquity is another word for sin. God is completely without sin. Just and upright is he. He is perfectly just, perfectly fair. He never does anything that is wrong. He never has to apologize. He never has to say, oh, I've made a mistake. I didn't get that one right. No, he is perfect in everything he does. And he is just and fair in the way in which he deals with everyone. Now this, as I mentioned earlier, is found, this verse is found at the beginning of the, of the words of a song that Moses recited to the people of Israel just before he died. And in this song he spoke about the goodness that God had shown to Israel 
and he prophesied that Israel would spurn that goodness of God and would rebel against God and turn away to idols and that God would therefore judge Israel. And of course the immediate application of verse 4 which speaks about how God is perfectly just is to that situation where God would judge Israel. And what Moses is saying is that yes, God was going to judge Israel but God would not have to apologise for that. God would not There's no sense in which God would do anything wrong as he judged Israel. Not at all. God is perfectly just in all he does and and he would would be completely fair uh, with Israel as as he dealt with Israel. But this verse, it speaks generally. It's not just speaking about the way God dealt with Israel back in Old Testament times. This is a general statement about God which is true for all time. God's work is always perfect. His ways are always just. He is a always a God of faithfulness. He's always a God who is without iniquity. He is always just and upright. Now, we who are believers need to be very clear about this, that our God is righteous. Our God is just. Because we are, there are many people who say the exact opposite. They say, I don't want to believe in God because if there was a God, surely he would be more fair, surely he'd be more just, he would treat people better. And so there are, there are many, many people who, who are wanting to say that, that God is bad. Now, of course, there's nothing new about this. This goes back all the way to the Garden of Eden, doesn't it? Remember how, how the devil came to, to, um, to Eve, the serpent came to Eve and tried to make out that God was somehow a bad God. Oh, has he put you in this garden and given you all these trees all around you and said you can't eat of them? Which was complete slander because God had only said there's one tree they weren't to eat from. But he tried to make out God was some sort of bad God who, who entices them with all these lovely trees, but then say you go and eat of them. And this is the sort of thing that the devil does time after time after time. He, he tries to make people think that God is bad, that God makes mistakes, that God is wrong. And so there are all sorts of people today who, who will say that God is bad, that God is wrong. And if we're not careful as Christians, the devil can start to whisper in our ear and start to lodge in our mind and in our thoughts, God hasn't been fair to you. 
God is bad. God, is, God isn't treating you as you should be treated. Look at this thing that's happened to you. That's not very fair, is it? And he tries to get us to believe that God is not fair, that God is not righteous, that he makes mistakes. And of course, if he can get us to believe that, then we're going to become resentful towards God. We're not going to serve him as we should. We might even stop believing altogether. And so we need to be very clear on the teaching of Scripture that our God is a God who does no wrong. Everything he does is perfect. All his ways are justice. He is a God of faithfulness without iniquity. Just and upright is he. Now, as we think about this, I'd like to uh, think about it in four areas. Creation, providence, judgment, and the cross. Because it's at those four areas we find the justice of God coming under attack again and again. So let's think about the first one, creation. You see, there are many people who will say, oh, it's all God's fault. God made a bad world. God made a world where there's lots of suffering. God made a world with sinful creatures in it. You talk to lots of people who say they believe in God, or they say they have some sort of idea of God, and, and they, they will say, oh, well, we were made fallen. We were made corrupted. And what, what does that do? Well, that immediately shifts the blame for our sin unto God. Well, it's not my fault I'm a sinner. I mean, after all, God's made me sinful. That's the way I am. Lots of people have this, of course, in the whole area of homosexuality. They say, well, I can't be blamed for being a homosexual because that's the way God has made me. But it's not just in that area. There's lots of other areas that people say, oh, well, I, God made me an alcoholic or God made me a thief or God made me a liar. No. God did not make this world bad at all. God made this world a good world. Uh, I'm sure many of you will know that in the account of creation that there is in the book of Genesis chapter 1, you get this refrain that comes through again and again and again. And God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. God saw that it was very good. And at the end of it all it says, and God saw that it was very good. The creation as made was good. And Adam and Eve, when they were first made, were made in the image of God. God didn't make man sinful. He made Adam and Eve perfect. They had 
good hearts. They loved God. And they loved one another. They subsequently chose to sin. But that's not God's fault. God made man good. And he made matter good. Now this is also important because there are false teachers who say, oh, physical things are, are bad. Physical things are evil. Somebody was asking me this week about a, a religious view which is called Gnosticism. Spelt G-N-O. Gnosti- you would you'd think it was spelt, it, was, it sounded Gnosticism. But actually it is, it's pronounced Gnosticism. It's a, got a silent G at the front of it. But this idea says that it's only the spiritual that matters. The physical is all bad. And so in order, to, in order to know God, you've got to just deny the physical uh, and, 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 and maybe, have, maybe go into trances and, 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 or, or you've got to sort of uh, fast a great deal and, 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 and get into a sort of a non-physical way of thinking. It's really tied up with Eastern religion as well, because that's the sort of Eastern view as well, that, that the physical is all bad, and it's only the spiritual. Now, that's a, that's a gross insult to God, and a great insult to his creation. Now, we're actually warned about this sort of false teaching in First um, Timothy chapter 4. And uh, verse 1, and you might, if you want to follow, it's on page 1178, where Paul says, The Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are, are seared, who forbid marriage... And require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. You see, these false teachers are saying physical things, that's bad. Don't eat, you know, you nice you like nice food. Oh, you can't eat nice food. No, that's bad. Oh, no, you can't you can't get married. No, that's bad. Physical pleasure, no, that's bad. No. Things that have been made by God are good. And they are to be received with thanksgiving. So that's the first thing. God has acted right in creation. He's not made any mistakes. He's not done anything wrong in the way that he's made creation. Now, the second thing is that God, this area of what, what, what we call providence. Now, when I say providence, what do I mean by that? Providence is the teaching that God rules over all events. And this is another area where people... 
are saying, people, lots of people will say, ah, can't believe in God or I'm not going to accept God because if he's a great God, he's doing a very bad job of ruling over this world. Now some Christians try to dodge this issue by trying to make out that God is not really very powerful. And they say, they call themselves Christians, not really Christians at all, but they sort of say, well, God is unhappy about the way this world is just like you are. He'd love it to be better. He'd love, it to be, he'd love to be able to do something to stop it from being so bad, but unfortunately God can't really do anything. And they sort of make out that God is some sort of weak God who, you know, he's sort of like playing chess, perhaps against the devil or something, and he... You know, he can't really see, he tries to respond to different things that happen that different humans do or the devil does to try to make things a bit better. But he hasn't really got much power to sort things out. That's not the teaching of the Bible. And actually, you know, you might think, oh, that, that's more comforting, but actually it's not any more comfort at all because it means that the God that you serve is a weak God. He can't do anything. He's a helpless God. Not really God at all. No, the God of the Bible is the God who reigns over all events in order to bring about his great purposes. So in, um, in uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11, the Apostle Paul says, speaking to Christians, he says, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So God is presiding over all events to bring, cause all events to work out according to his will. Now, of course, there are many places in the Bible where you have prophecies of things that are going to happen. And, but when God is prophesying, of course, the biggest example of, of all, of course, is, is of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world and, and, and his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. But when God is prophesying, He's not just saying, he's not just predicting in the way that a fortune teller claims to be able to predict the future. What God does is he organizes events in such a way as what, that what he has said is going to happen is going to happen. And you've got many other examples in the Bible. You've got, for example... Uh, you've got uh, in the book of, of Habakkuk a description about how the great Babylonian Empire is going to come and it's going to uh, invade Israel or Judah, the southern kingdom of Judah. But God says that he is going to send the Babylonians. It's him who is organizing what is happening. And so everything that happens across the whole face of the earth 
is under God's rule. Uh, Even Adam's sin was ruled over by God. Uh, The subsequent actions of of cruel dictators, the the wicked actions of of criminals like like child murderers, paedophiles, all under God's control. And also, positively, uh, those who, 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 dis, who come to Christ and receive salvation, that happens as a result of God's ruling that God places in the hearts of those whom he's chosen to save a desire for himself, a desire to be saved. And he moves them to come to Jesus and to receive his salvation. Well, so some people say, well, if God is in charge of all that's happening in the world, he's doing a very bad job of it. And some people are very rude about God and they and they and and uh, and say some very very uh, contemptuous and 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 uh, really blasphemous things. I remember listening once to an interview by Stephen Fry in which he, he said some dreadful things about God and, and, and was really blatantly rude and very arrogant in the way that he, he, he spoke about God and almost sort of was ticking God off as if God was some sort of naughty child. But this verse says... It's Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 4 says that God is the rock. His work is perfect. All his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. So this is true. This must be true. This verse must be true as regards God's providence. As regards his ruling over the events of men and over history. Now, obviously, we are, we're talking here about a very deep area and which philosophers have argued about, debated about, theologians have talked about, and so on and so forth. And obviously, I can't possibly begin to, to deal with all the arguments that people raise. But I want just to mention a few things which it's worth remembering in this matter of God's providence. And the first is this, that the Bible is very clear that in a way which we cannot understand, the sinful actions of men are carried out because men, and of course by men I mean men and women, people, want to do those actions. People do the wrong that they want to do. It's not that God gets people to do wrong things that he doesn't, that they don't want to do. Rather, people motivate themselves to do the bad things that they want to do, but it's that, that as they do those bad things that they want to do, unwittingly, 
they fulfill God's plan. Now, one, perhaps the great example of this is, is the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, which is, and, and um, because, think about it. When Jesus died on the cross, the, the reference I'm taking you to is in Acts 2 um, and verse 20. When Jesus died on the cross, no, not 20, um, verse 23. Uh, when Jesus died on the cross, that was the most sinful event in the history of the world. Judas, because of the evil intent of his heart, betrayed Jesus. And the Jewish rulers, because of jealousy and, and hatred, they conspired with Pontius Pilate, who, was a, who, to save his own skin, also was prepared to see Jesus crucified. And these, all these different powers, out of their sin, joined together to do the, this desperately sinful act of killing the Lord Jesus Christ. But as they did so, they landed up fulfilling God's plan. So, Acts chapter 2 and verse 23. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified by the hands of lawless men. And so we see that in scripture there are these twin tracks. On the one hand you've got human responsibility. Men do the evil that they want to do and God is not responsible for the evil that people do because people are doing what they want to do. They're following the sins that are in their, their own. Adam and Eve, they did what they wanted to do. And all the other evil events that have happened in the history of the world have been what people want to do. And that's why people can be judged for the wrong they've done. Because they're doing what they want to do. But at the same time, in God's amazing wisdom and skill, he rules over all of these events in order to accomplish his will. Now, people who, who um, you know, make quick judgments, they say, oh, God's got it wrong. God's making a great mistake. He's, he, 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 uh, he's really got things terribly wrong. But, uh, in fact, the, the reality is that we are in no position whatsoever to bring judgment, cast judgments upon God um, that hymn we just sung from God moves in a mysterious way judge not the Lord by feeble sense but trust him for his grace behind a frowning providence he hides a smiling face so uh, or yes God is ruling over even evil events but he's doing so uh, He's not responsible for the evil that people do. 
Another thing to remember is that as God exercises his rule, he is working all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Um, uh, the Apostle Paul says in, in Romans chapter 8. And we should remember also that we are in no position to speak back to God or to tell him whether he's done a good job or a bad job. Romans chapter 9 and verse 20, the Apostle Paul says, But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is moulded say to its moulder, Why have you made it like this? Made me like this. Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honourable use and the other for dishonourable use? God is free to do as he sees fit with his creation. And later on in, 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 um, in uh, Romans 11, uh, the Apostle Paul speaks about the great wisdom of God and the way that he's worked out his plans and purposes. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom of, and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counsellor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Who are you and who am I to say to God that he's made some sort of mistake in the way in which he's organised this world? You might remember the story, so many of you will know the story of Job, who suddenly lost a great deal. Of, 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 he's lost his whole family and he lost his, his, all his possessions and, and he couldn't understand what was going on and he asked God, for an answer. And uh, his, his friends came and said to him, oh, it's because you've sinned. He said, no, it's not because I've sinned, because I've been a righteous man. And, and, and in that he was right. So he was asking God, for, asking God, why have you done this to me? And eventually, after all of his friends have tried giving him various answers and failed, Eventually, God answers Job. Well, he sort of answers Job, but what God does when he answers Job is he basically just asks Job a load of questions. He says, basically, what do you know? I won't read the whole lot because it goes on for three chapters, but, you know, what do you know, Job? Job 38. Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I'll question you. And you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determines its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Or what were its bases, on what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And he goes on with question after question after question. What do you know, Job? What do you know about this creation? You don't know anything. So who are you to question what I have done? 
So God is perfect in his providence. And uh, if, we, if, we, if we question him, we are really just showing our ignorance. God is the God whose work is perfect and all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Now the third area is in terms of his judgments. God is perfect and just in his judgments. His judgment of Adam and Eve in the garden when they sinned. He told them what would happen to them if they ate of that forbidden fruit. And they ate. And so they were dealt with. He dealt with them with justice. The people of Israel, as we've mentioned already, he told them that you must do this, and if you do this, you'll get a good result. If you do that, you'll get a bad result. They disobeyed him. He dealt with the people justly. Uh, The wrath of God is being revealed now. God has spoken to all people through creation. He's spoken to all people through their consciences. He's told them that they should worship God and told them that they they should live according to his laws. And people have rebelled against God. And so Paul says in Romans chapter 1 that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against the wickedness and godlessness of men. Why? Because they've suppressed the truth. They refuse to honour him. And they can't claim ignorance because God has revealed himself in creation and has revealed his will to people's hearts and their consciences. They know what they should do, but they're not doing it. And uh, with the various specific judgments that are mentioned in in the book of Revelation, uh, God God deals with people with justice. And um, in Revelation chapter 15, um, we read these words after one of the plagues that's poured out. Uh, The people, the... the, the, um, People, that those who are in heaven say, uh, Revelation 15 verse 3, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O, o Lord, and glorify your name. For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Same thing, Revelation 16, verse 5. Just are you, O Holy One, who is and was, for you brought these judgments. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you've given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. And then the final judgment, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, we we read about how the final judgment will be carried out with justice. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 5, this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you. And grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. 
when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and who on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and for the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. You see, the judgment of God is just. We were thinking a few weeks ago about the final judgment as talked about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due to him for what was done well in the body, whether good or bad. And as I explained at the time, everything is going to be revealed, all the circumstances of everybody's life will be revealed, all the extenuating circumstances will be revealed, but also all the aggravations of everybody's sins will be revealed. And so the Lord will deal with everybody with perfect justice. There'll be nobody who'll be able to say on that day, oh, I wasn't treated fairly. No. Each one will receive his or her just deserts. God is a God who is just. Let me just read that verse again from Deuteronomy 32. God is the rock whose work is perfect for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. So we've seen God is good and right in terms of creation. God is good and right and just in terms of providence. He is good and right and just in terms of his judgments. And then finally, God is good and right and just in terms of the cross. You see, the cross is not just a demonstration of the love of God. It's also the great demonstration of the justice of God. The fairness of God. Because in the cross, God's justice was satisfied. Because God's justice demands that every sin should be punished. If God had forgiven sins without there being a punishment for those sins, God would have been unjust. But what God has done is that he has satisfied completely the demand for justice that is in his holy law. His law says that the soul who sins shall die, that the punishment for sin is death. But Jesus satisfied the just requirement that sin should be punished. Now this is taught in many places in, in, in the Bible. Perhaps the, perhaps the clearest place is in, in the book of Romans and, and chapter 3. And having explained in great detail and to great length how all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and how 
No one can get to God through their works. The Apostle Paul then says, picking up in verse 23 of Romans 3, verse, it's page 1118 in the Church Bibles, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, that is declared righteous in his sight through the redemption that came that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation. Now that's a big word. What does that mean, propitiation? What that means is one who pays the price. One who carries on himself wrath that should have gone to others. You see, all of those who are, whom God is going to save have got a massive great pile of debts. A massive great pile of sins. And those sins have got to be paid for. And what happened was that God placed those sins upon Jesus... And as Jesus hung on that cross, he paid for those sins. And so the justice of God was satisfied. Our Muslim friends will tell us that Almighty God can, or Allah can just forgive sins just like that because he's almighty. But the problem with that view is that it's an unjust solution. The sins remain unpunished. They're not dealt with. They're not paid for. But with the cross, there is the answer. Christ paid for those sins. And so the justice of God is satisfied. And so he says in verse second half of verse 25... This was to show God's righteousness or his justice. Because in his divine forbearance he's passed over the former sins. It was to show his righteousness or his justice at the, at the present time. So as to, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God is just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And this is why also in John's, John says in his first letter, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all righteousness. The cross of Jesus demands that we should be forgiven. If we were not forgiven, God would be unjust. Because God has already forgiven, God has already condemned our sins in Christ. Paul speaks about this also in Romans chapter 8. He says, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say, God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin... He condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned our sin in Jesus' flesh. So if our sin has been condemned in Jesus' flesh, we can't be condemned for our own sin. Otherwise God would be condemning the same sin twice. Twice. 
And so we see then the justice of God even as he brings about forgiveness through the cross. And so we, 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 we see then how true this verse is. God is the rock. Deuteronomy 32 verse 4. He is the rock. His work is perfect. And all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity. Just and upright is he. So thanks be to God. God is this just God. So application to us. Well, first we'll get rid of all these doubts about the justice of God. Don't allow these people to uh, questioning God's goodness or God's justice to poison your mind. Believe what God's word says, that God is just and right in all that he does. And if you've not already done so, come to Jesus. Trust Excuse me. Trust that in Jesus, God has provided the just solution to your sin. Look to him and trust in him that your sins might be taken away. And then as you, having trusted in the Lord, continue to believe in him. When difficult things happen to you, don't let the devil whisper in your ear, oh, God hasn't been fair to you. Something else I should have said at that time is this. If you are thinking God's not been fair to you, ask yourself this question. What did you ever deserve from God? If you got what you deserved right now, what would you happen? Answer, you'd drop down dead immediately and be sent to hell. So how can you say God's not dealt with you fairly? He's dealt with you mercifully because you're still alive. If, you, if God wasn't merciful, you'd be dead right now. So would I. Now get rid of this idea that God's not fair. And uh, believe him and give thanks to him. Well, I hope that's helpful to us. Uh, remember then that the, this, this promise, this, this word, this description of God, I'll just read it one last time in Deuteronomy 32 and verse 4. God is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Well, uh, maybe it would be good to sing um, for our last hymn, number 779, which speaks about how uh, we who are saved are saved through the just work of God on the cross. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness.
I trust his righteous character, his counsel, promises and power, his name and honour at stake to save me from the burning lake. How can that be? Why? Because God has promised that all those who trust in him are saved from hell. And if he were not to save from hell those who trust in him, he would be unjust. Because the justice of God demands that we should be forgiven because those sins are already paid for by Jesus. 779. 